0: But anyway, he made this, uh, this graphic here that I gave to you, and I wanted to hand it out tonight since we've been talking about evangelism in our Sunday school class, just to kind of give you some ideas on how to crack the ice when talking to one of our neighbors who's likely LDS. This, as you see on the left side, he says evangelistic conversation starters that I regularly use. And then he's got seven main questions, and then he's got follow-up questions too. Uh, Pretty much all of those. So um, something to kind of have around in your house and you're thinking about going to talk to a neighbor or something like that, pick one of those questions that you've never asked before. Uh, Especially that orange line, have you ever heard the gospel presented by a born-again Christian? That's a great question to ask, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Say that again, Renee. Aren't those
1: the weirdos? (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And, and I love the options after that. If the person says yes, well, then just say, well, what would you hear? Tell me about it. No. Uh, and then you're, you're just off and running at that point. So very, it's very handy, very uh, applicable questions that you could implement there. That's why I wanted to give those to you tonight. Any thoughts on that? Travis? Uh,
2: they're going to do some events Saturday and pull the Bible out to the... Uh, what is that thing there? Tabernacle or whatever it is in Provo. Temple now, whatever they... <laughs> the, Something. In downtown? Yeah. Not in the not in the high up in the room, the, the, the new home. one, the renovated temple yeah, downtown.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Provo Bible Church that's going to be doing it or Aaron and his guys?
2: Wherever Lizzie's, Where Lizzie's going. Yeah, Provo
0: Bible. Yeah. Okay. They're having a
2: class before. Yeah. Boom. Gotcha.
0: Okay, on Saturday. So yeah, there's stuff going on. Um, we're... Right now, I think the next thing that we're doing as a church that's on our radar is probably going to be Orchard Days um, in August. Um, But any time that any of you want to go out and do something, get a group together, just go do it. No one's stopping you. So, um, So go for it. That'd be great. Okay. Well, would someone like to pray and get us started here this evening?
3: Yeah. Go ahead. Father God, you're amazing and wonderful God. We just, each day, just are awe over what you've done in creation, what you do in people's lives, your word. You can read over it and go back over it again and find new things. It's just amazing what you have done. We thank you for the beautiful day you've given us today Coolness of the air has been great. Early morning rain was fantastic. Thank you for each and every one of those things, folks, we know they're all of you. Thank you for this time together this evening as a body of Christ to be in your word, to learn more about you, to uh, just to enjoy each other's fellowship. Thank you for being our Lord and our God. In your son Jesus we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Wasn't the weather today such a treat? (coughs) I loved it. I thought I'll wear flannel.
1: Oh, I
2: love
0: it. I, yeah. It was still a little warm for my taste, but it was good. <laughs> <clears throat> Acts 14. Acts chapter 14, where we are tonight. Finishing up the chapter. Acts chapter 14. you remember what the region that was called that we were in in Acts 14? Very good. Look at you guys.
2: Get you guys a gold star. Oops. Very good.
0: Well, um, tonight's lesson might end up being a tad bit short, but we'll see. Um, and if it is, we'll supplement it with some prayer time. Um, But I I want to go at this lesson a little bit, at a a little bit different angle. I love teaching on Acts 14 and Galatia. It's something I've taught on uh, a few times before. And if you can remember all the way back to that sermon series we did on Galatians, does that seem like forever ago that we went through Galatians? It was only 2018, I think. We were still in that book, uh, but... That's neither here nor there, necessarily. Uh, I love just looking at it from the perspective of the book of Galatians. Because they are in Galatia, Paul and Barnabas, planting churches. And it's less than three years later that Paul writes the book, the letter, of Galatians to the churches of Galatia. So this is the historical record that we're in in Acts 14 and how those churches got started. And then when we read the letter to the Galatians... We're getting a different insight as those churches had developed and evolved over just a handful of years. So I want to go over the background before we read 19 through 23. That'll be the passage we'll read here in a moment. But I want to go over the background of Galatia because that place really was unique. It was not Jerusalem. Uh, A lot of the book of Acts up to this point has been Jerusalem or that surrounding area where there's a lot of Jews. There are temples. There are synagogues. People are kind of on the same page religiously. Not in Galatia. Remember last week, what did they do to Paul and Barnabas last week in Galatia?
2: Beat them
0: with rods. Oh. They, say that again? Beat them with rods, right? Okay? What was it, stone? Made them what? Beat them with rods. Beat them with rods. Oh, okay. No, that happened on their way. That's why they went left and went to Galatia. Okay. Call them gods. Called them gods. It was the opposite of beating them. They worshipped them, right? Uh, They said Zeus and Hermes or uh, Jupiter and Mercury. And they they wanted to sacrifice animals to them. That would never happen in a Jewish culture. They would never call out to Zeus and Hermes in a Jewish culture. But in the Galatian culture, they did. And so we need to kind of get our bearings about who these Galatians are. Uh, The Gentile culture was obviously prominent in Galatia. The Jews are kind of presented as the minority in this text, as we read through Acts 14. The Jews aren't presented as the, at the forefront. They're kind of presented as the minority. And the Galatians were actually Celtic people. Not the Boston Celtics that Robert <laughs> Parrish and you know, Larry Bird played for. But uh, the real deal Celtics, or the Gauls, if you know world history. G-A-U-L-S, the Gauls, or the Gaelic people, the Gaelic Wars. Galatia Gaelic you ever think about how those words are similar uh, they were a part of European people that came and conquered Southeast Europe so uh, the Galatians weren't short dark big-nosed people like the Jews it's actually recorded in history that they were tall fair-skinned red-headed people isn't that weird <laughs> to think about yeah yeah like like the Mormon Jesus right so um, they they looked like Europeans. Um, Tall, fair-skinned, reddish hair, and light eyes is what one Roman historian said uh, they looked like. So kind of have that in your mind. And they obviously had a different philosophy. They borrowed a lot from Greek mythology about their gods. They also had a lot of household gods, a lot of uh, just pagan ideas and pagan approaches to religion and worship. They were involved in a lot of the Balkan Struggles that went on in that area, the Roman wars, that was uh, that was these people, the Galatians, and as we read about churches being planted there in Acts 14, these are the first ever in world history, the first ever Gentile dominant churches, because everything we've read up to this point has been Jewish dominant. And now that now it's different, and I'm really going to keep stressing that point because. What happens in Galatia to those churches uh, is, it's very telling when you know the context. So it's a very Gentile dominant setting. Those churches were very Gentile dominant. They weren't Jewish dominant. They were Gentile dominant. And that's going to be really important as we seek to understand how everything evolved the way it did. Any questions or, or thoughts on their background and the context of Galatia? Okay. 19 to 23, then. Let's go ahead and read it. Someone read that for us. Acts 14, 19 to 23. Read it when you got it. I got it. Okay.
4: The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, exposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derby. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed.
0: Alright, so, if you remember where we left off last week, verses... You know, 17 and 18 there, as the Galatians were trying to worship Paul and Barnabas, they said, obviously, don't worship us, we are men like you. And then Paul preached a little sermonette. And it says at the end of his little sermon, which was really more like just a paragraph, verse, even after preaching that, even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. The people just were convinced. that Paul and Barnabas were gods then what happens what Andy just read for us look at the contrast of verse 19 then Jews come in remember these old Gentile pagan people who worship Zeus the Jews come in from Antioch and Iconium where Paul and Barnabas had just left and they persuade the crowds and the crowds do a total 180 and they say now we're going to kill them so the Jews were pretty convincing people when they wanted to be They could roll right in and they could crowd from worshiping to wanting to kill. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? And they stoned Paul, dragged him out. They thought he was dead, so he must have been unconscious or unconscious or something. He was blacked out. But people gathered around him, verse 20. He popped up and the very next day went off to continue doing missionary work. What a guy. Isn't that something? Now, in verses 21 through 23, we see four things that they did when they would enter these pagan cities. Four things. Let's see if you can detect them in order. What's the first thing that they did according to verse 21? Preach. Preach the The gospel. Very good. First thing they did was preach the gospel. And I want us to stop on each one of these and, and talk about it and think about it. Preaching the gospel. How do you think they presented the gospel in Galatia? Knowing their background and whatnot? Hmm. The same way that they presented it in Jerusalem? Yeah. Yeah. What would be different about it? Well I think in, in
2: Jerusalem everybody would have a, a background of information. And here these Gentiles Different perspective of life. That so I would, imagine that would be a slower process mm-hmm. to create a better
0: picture of it. Yeah, that's totally the right track. What specific part of the background would Jerusalem have that Gentiles wouldn't?
2: Yeah.
0: Exactly. Did you see? Did you notice last week? Let's look again at verses like, yeah, verse 15. When Paul's stopping them from worshiping, verses 15, 16, and 17, that's his paragraph. How many Old Testament references are in there? None. He doesn't quote the Torah, does he? There's another, obviously, themes that are there. But he's not providing scriptures that show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies. He's not quoting the Torah. But he's illustrating those principles in his own words. Here in a few weeks, we'll be in Acts 17. In Acts 17, Paul is preaching to... Uh, the people at Mars Hill those are all Gentiles they're all Greeks do you know how many times he's talking about fulfilling Old Testament prophecy how many times he's talking about quoting the Torah and all that stuff very minimal if at all I can't remember off the top of my head if he even quotes one Old Testament verse now compare that to Acts 13 that we were just in where Paul is in a synagogue he's quoting the Old Testament like line after line after line because they're from a Hebrew background But when he's around Gentiles, he presents the gospel in a different way. And isn't that smart and right to do that? That's called contextualization. That's the big $13 word. Contextualization. Kind
3: of meet them where they're
0: at. Yeah. It's basically adapting not the content of the message, Mm -hmm. but the style of presentation for your setting. Mm. So, for instance, um, a real simple way to think about contextualization is... Is If you uh, go to a church, say you, you went to a church in the South, and every Sunday the men wore suit and tie, three-piece suit, shiny shoes, and the women wore their Sunday best. Think of some of those southern black churches with the woman with the hats, and it's all colorful and nice. And that's how you go every Sunday. That's fine. But then you go to India, and you want to plant a church in India. Are you going to be expecting everybody to wear three-piece suits, shiny shoes, big, nice dresses and all that? No. That's contextualization. In one culture it works, in another culture you just adapt. And so when it comes to presenting the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, you have to think about who you're talking to. And if you're talking to a Jewish person today who really knows the Old Testament, aren't you going to want to tie that in when you're talking to that person? If that person knows Psalms, if that person knows Isaiah... Don't you want to talk about those things? But if you're talking to someone around here who knows nothing about the Bible, you know, what what good is it really going to do from the get go to start talking about messianic prophecies rooted in in the Old Testament? Now, I shouldn't say what good is it going to do, but what special advantage is there? There's not a special advantage in those cases. And so we see from Paul's example that he didn't start there with them, he started with just explaining there is a God, a living God that created all things. He is the one to worship, not all these false ideas that you had. And he didn't fall back on the Old Testament scriptures in that presentation. Uh, so as they went city to city and they were going through these predominantly Gentile areas and they were preaching the gospel, the way that they were preaching it probably looked a lot like how Paul preached at the, uh, in verses 15 through 17. Uh, probably just you know bigger sermons than that. And explaining how Jesus came and died for man's sin. Other thoughts on preaching the gospel
2: in Galatia? So in this group of people, did they have all their gods, low, lowercase g gods, Were they all named? Or is there one, <clears throat> one uh, portion of the, of the scripture where um, they use... Unnamed God. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so that's Acts 17 in Greece where they did that. And I was reading about the religious affiliations of the Galatians and it's a lot of it's unknown. We do know that they adopted Greek gods and that they had you could basically just make up your own gods. If you wanted to worship something really intimately, go find you a piece of wood, carve it out. That's your household God. Uh, So they they just had all kinds of strange ideas about worship. And kind of hard to pinpoint because it was so varied. Andy.
4: So the Celts from Europe were pagans. I mean, straight up. Yep. I mean, this is where the Druids were. Yes, Druids, exactly. And they did practice human sacrifice at times. So it's not like... They were any different necessarily than the Greeks or the Romans mm-hmm. the um, but I was thinking when you said context, contextualization. Can't remember the guy's name that went to China. Um
0: Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor. Was he the one that when he got
4: there, he changed his job yep. and grew a cue so that he yep. could right? So he would look, he would look like a, a Chinaman. As much as possible as a White guy, look like
0: a yeah, so. And yeah, here's Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees going to Celtic people <laughs> who are tall and fair-skinned and red-headed. Not put on a white shirt
4: black
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right, well, let's look at the second thing. So the first thing they did when they went into these cities was preach the gospel. The second thing is in verse 22. what they do? <laughs> of... Of the disciples, yeah. And yours might say, if you've got the NASB, um, made disciples? Made many disciples. Made many disciples, yeah. So it's a a disciple-making aspect. So one is preaching the gospel, um, and the second is disciple-making. What is the difference between preaching the gospel and disciple-making? Because it says in the text, Preach the gospel and made disciples. It doesn't say preaching the gospel was making disciples. It says preach the gospel and made disciples. So you
3: can't make disciples disciple until they you know, accept Christ as your Savior. Okay, so there's an order to this. Yeah, order to it. Because then afterwards, then you can make your disciples. You can teach them and help them mature and become you know, uh, more mature, type like Christians.
0: So what's the difference in content between teaching the gospel and teaching to make a disciple what's the content difference what, what what what's the substance of teaching the gospel versus the substance of making disciples if we're saying these are different things how are they different yeah because
3: the gospel what you are teaching them is, is what took place with, with God why you know the, the fall of man the sinning Christ coming to uh, to uh, save our soul by dying on the cross and bleeding, and, and you know, and uh, this is the essence of it. Once they've accepted that and repented of their sins and stuff, now you're making disciples out of them. You're, you're teaching them more in depth stuff about God, some Old Testament stuff about Him, and what's going on today, and what they need to do to you know, become you know, more more mature Christians, I guess. Would be
0: yeah. Yeah. Good. So. Um thinking of the Old Testament, especially in their context, if we're saying when they preached the gospel, they didn't necessarily make any Old Testament references. But when they made disciples, do you think there were some Old Testament references? That's that's the only Bible they had at that point, right? Was the Hebrew Scriptures? So you better believe they were opening it up and they were studying Genesis and they were studying Proverbs and they were going through and, and seeing what God had said and how God was uh, leading the people. And so there is a difference between... Preaching the gospel and making disciples, to think of it from the listener's perspective, there's a difference between hearing the gospel message and saying, Yeah, I believe that, and then living the Christian life. Because that's really what discipleship is it's a lifelong process of following Jesus. You have a thought there, Travis? Were you going to say something? You seem like a guy who has thoughts.
2: Lots of stuff going on in the old mill. I'm enjoying the stuff. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay,
0: good. Um, and, and so it is a process it's making making disciples is um, it 's not something that happens once like being born again when you're when you're in, uh, experiencing discipleship you 're not being born again again <laughs> okay you 're born again one time uh, but being a disciple means you've you've come to know um, Christian life that it's it's it changes everything and what we see here in this text is they went from preaching the gospel to making many disciples which is uh, a necessary step because what good would it be if they held a big event and they preached the gospel and many believed, and then everybody bailed and that happens
3: Today, all over the world. The big revivals and stuff. And yeah. Thousands thousands and thousands. Like mm-hmm. Hundreds and sometimes thousands will come down, but you know full well that very, very small percentage ever enter a, a yeah. church after that.
0: Yeah, you'll see images from some country in Africa or uh, to mention India again. India has, is big with this. And you'll see a picture of like 10,000 people that are all gathered to hear an evangelist. But you just have to wonder what happens after that. How can you even keep track of that many people coming for a one-time event? And is it good to do that so they're exposed to the gospel? Yes. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> but let's do it right. And let's make sure that we're following up. And you've got you to gotta believe that Paul and Barnabas saw these two things as, as inextricably tied together. Mm-hmm. That they would never attempt to do one without the other. And they would do the order. Andy.
4: I was just going to note that the difference—the gospel obviously can be presented publicly to as many people as can appear, whereas disciple making is more of a
0: one-on-one,
4: small group of people, something where you're intimately involved in that other person's life.
0: Yeah. Right. It's it's, it's remember, done in your house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Discipleship is done in your local sphere. Uh, whereas you might go somewhere to hear somebody preach the gospel. Um, like I'm sure they had some sort of gatherings here. They all went back to their towns and they were being made. Okay, that's steps one and two, verse 21, verse 22. Verse 23, what's the third thing that they did?
1: Good.
0: Appointed elders. Now, there's more to that phrase. When they appointed elders... In every church. church, A plurality of elders in every singular church. Um, This was a part of the church planting strategy. Because uh, what's a church without a plurality of leadership? Right? This is part and parcel to... The church government that's laid out in the New Testament is a plurality of leadership. And there's a lot to say about appointing elders. We're going to loop back around to that here in a couple minutes. Um, But for now we'll just put that up there and we'll talk more about it in a second. Let's look at the fourth thing. The fourth thing is kind of there, kind of not there in verse 23. What did they do last in verse 23? They commended them to the Lord. Yeah, which basically means... They prayed for him and left. <laughs> they commended them. Um, so church planting, you go in, you preach the gospel, you make disciples, you appoint elders, and you leave. You leave. Paul and Barnabas didn't stay in Galatia to be the guys who were over that church forever. Or they didn't go back uh, to you know, Antioch and say, okay, but we're still... Is that Jackson? Uh, they didn't say like you know we're we're still in charge of you, so write us letters when you have questions and we'll make the decisions for you. They appointed those elders as the decision makers for those local bodies, and then and then they left. Okay. That's exactly where we're going after that. So, any any thoughts or questions on this process that we see in these verses? Dean. Dean raised his hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, but you're sitting up front. My, 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 okay.
2: um, the part between preaching the gospel and disciple making. Um, I mean, how how do we necessarily know? And are we are we casting pearls or swine if we're starting the disciple making beforehand? Like we're unsure if someone's born again, because sometimes along those yep. those relationships where they say yes, 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 but the things in their life. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, lots of times no, more times no, okay, yes, okay, no, no, kind
0: of, yeah. Evidence. Well, it's the parable of the soils, right? Jesus talked about a sower went out to sow, cast seeds, and three of the four soils didn't work out. And then two of the four soils, or actually three of the four soils, um, something sprung up. A plant sprung up. But only one of those three was a real, true, genuine conversion. You got the one that springs up, and then persecution comes, and it's dead. You got another one that springs up, and then it gets choked out by the cares of the world, it's dead. Then you get another one that springs up and bears fruit. So, what has to happen when you're personally involved in in this process with number two, you got to continually be going back here. And I don't care if that person has claimed to be a Christian for his whole life. You don't take a person's word for it necessarily. Uh, and even if that person is a believer, you've got to keep going back here. That that believer still need to hear the gospel, right? And when you're in the discipleship process with somebody and trying to help a person grow in Christ and mature in Christ, if that person's showing signs of not trusting God's word, which is a a fundamental issue. Um, I want to go back to the gospel and include that as part of the gospel too. That um, you know, look, you can't say that I believe in Jesus based on the authority of the Word, but I'm not going to trust this other part of the Bible because I don't believe it's authoritative there. Amen. You got to keep going, keep going back to those fundamental issues through the lens of the gospel. And uh, <clears throat> it, yeah, it's just one of those things that will happen. And it happened in Galatia. And we'll see that soon. Rex? I
3: think the only thing which is where you said left, I just had a little note here, and I assume this is, must be what it is, where it says that uh, Paul and Barnabas prayed, fasted with the new church, and, and, uh, and commended them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Assuming at that point, then they're out the door. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, the very next verse. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. Then they were gone. So that's uh, that's basically
2: how that went.
0: Okay, um, now, I said at the beginning that less than three years later, the book of Galatians was written. Let's turn to that book. Let's put something here to where you can save your spot, but go forward to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So it's Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Would someone like to read Galatians 1, 1 through 9 for us? Okay, go ahead. Paul, an apostle,
1: not from men, nor from man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again: If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed.
0: All right. So that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Less than three years. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Well, wow. well, what happened after Paul and Barnabas left is what happens all through the book of Acts. They go in, they plant a church. People are really excited about the gospel. And then when the cat's away, the Jewish mice will play. The Jewish mice come in and they stir up the people. And in Galatia, it was the Jews who came in who mixed Jewish law with the gospel. And they came in and said, you know, look, you you've believed this message, but you also need to be circumcised, you need to obey these this law, that law, that law, the other law, going through all these things that were meant for the Jewish people as God's unique nation. That's not a part of our gospel message, is it? That's not what Paul preached, is it? But they came in and convinced them of that. And look at the strong words that Paul has for these people. Turn to chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 15. Galatians 5, 7 through 15. And remember, think of Paul and Barnabas. They were there. They preached the gospel, made disciples, appointed elders, prayed and fasted. 7 through 15. Who can read that for us of chapter 5?
2: You were running well. You hindered who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, Why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Take care
0: that you are not consumed by Hey, Paul was not a big fan of these people, was he? Mm-hmm. And then drop down chapter six, verse thirteen. These Judaizers, as they could be called, um, they were of the circumcision party. I'll read starting in verse thirteen of chapter six. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So Paul says, look, these guys are hypocrites. They don't even keep the law. They want you to do stuff so they can boast in you. Look at our converts. We persuaded them. They're our minions doing what we say. We tell them to jump and they say, how high? That's what they're all about. They're hypocrites. And Paul says, I don't want to boast in you. I want to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, interesting stuff happened in Galatia. Very quickly. And uh, quickly is a key word. If you look back again in Galatians 1, what Melissa read. Galatians 1, verse 6. Quickly is the word that Paul uses. I'm astonished that you are so... Quickly, deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. There's another place in the New Testament. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. There's another place in the New Testament where that same apostle Paul uses that same Greek word, quickly, and it's to Timothy when he says, "Don't lay hands on a man too quickly," in 1 Timothy five twenty-two. So follow this connection with me. They went through and they did this. And Mike, didn't you ask how fast did they do this? I'm thinking they did it quickly. <laughs> they went through the first time and preached the gospel. They came back through the second time. So if you can imagine on a map, they're hitting their cities. boop boop boop, And then the second time, they're coming back through the cities, still preaching the gospel, still making disciples, and this time appointing elders in each city as they go along. I'm thinking they went too fast. At the end of Paul's life, he's writing to this young pastor. And I think he's saying from experience, don't lay hands on a man too quickly. Because they appointed elders pretty quickly. And what did he say to the Galatians? I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in grace. It, it was fast. And it never says in Scripture that it was too fast. But it was fast. Okay, we know, we know it happened quickly so uh do you see it that way that this is where it broke down mainly or do you have another other thoughts or what, what can we learn from all this any any thoughts or questions on that whole scenario mike
2: well, the one thing that um usually like um you're, you're a pastor and you you know, the gospel, you've been discipled but you still get feedback from mentors over the years yeah and they didn't have uh cell phones to do that or to stay in touch, so that was more difficult. So I think um, that's a a problem that creates um, weakness in an individual when they don't have that support for
0: mentoring. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So they, because they had these Jewish people come in who pretty much filled that role. Like, okay, you guys are new converts, well, let us teach you more you guys need to do this, this, this. And that passage that you read from in chapter 5, Paul says, the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty.
3: The
2: saboteur.
0: Yeah, the saboteur, exactly. Other thoughts questions? Rex?
3: You know, I think you could almost see that same thing sort of happen here years ago, for example. You know, because the predominant religion came in and took over everything else. And then slowly, as Christian Christians, Wandered this way, and, and, and they were small groups almost like we are today. That once the people in charge, Paul and Barnabas, mm-hmm. time, is, who planted the churches, left, then the wolves would come in and start saying, Yeah, yeah you got a great idea. However, let, let us tell you the rest of it. You know, you got to yes. do this, you need to do that. And
0: yeah, and Paul and Barnabas, the time that they would stay in a city when they planted a church would vary. Uh, it doesn't say that they stayed a long time in Galatia. But it seems to me that it just makes sense. If you're going to a place that doesn't have a foundation of Scripture,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like most places in the world today, and of course in Galatia, yeah, you just need to stay longer. The people who know what they're teaching and who have that foundation need to stay as long as they can to help the plane get off the ground mm-hmm. before, they, before they leave.
3: Corinth, when Paul was said, dust off his shoes, your blood's on your own hands. I'm out of here. Yeah, and he had the vision, and God says, I got people there. Was that 18 months or something like that? He stayed the second time, or do I get that mixed up? Yeah, and
0: I don't know if I'd remember the city, but yeah, there was a place where he stayed 18 months, and I think it was Corinth. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're gonna see right here in the next few cities where they go to. Look at verse 28. The next cities that they go to, Luke makes mention that they remained in this place a long time. Or the ESV says, no little time. <laughs> it was no. In those cities, it says they stayed a long time. It doesn't say that about
3: these other cities. So, I mean, this was after Galatia? Yes. Yeah, so they undoubtedly learned some. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. That burnt on this or whatever we've got to do. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Is that someone's cell phone, or is that a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> it's, your, it's your cell phone? Oh, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>, You need <laughs> new batteries.
2: <laughs> yes?
0: So, one
4: thing, um, most of these people were illiterate. Couldn't read scrolls and vellum and all that stuff that existed at a time were precious, right? Mm-hmm. The scripture that we're talking about is the Old Testament. The only people in a Gentile land that have the Old Testament are the Jews, Yeah. Right? I mean, I, obviously this was recorded, but this hadn't gotten around yet. So we're talking basically, yes. so we don't know how blessed we are yes. to have, have the Bible in our hands. So.
0: Yeah, the, the book of Mark is probably the first New Testament book that was written, but at this time, it probably wasn't even written yet at this point.
4: So, it's, in other words, the point I'm trying to make is that Paul is talking about the Old Testament, the living God yes. of the Old Testament. And he's obviously discipling and sharing that information. And then the Judaizers coming in and like, oh, yeah, well, here's the Old Testament. Let's share with you what the Old Testament law yeah. says.
0: Yeah, and I, I misspoke. Um, Mark was the first gospel written. The first letter in the New Testament, the first New Testament book, was the letter to the Galatians. Um, That one or James, they're both really close. So at at this point, and, and of course there wasn't, they couldn't go down to a store and buy a bunch of Old Testaments to leave in Galatia. They couldn't scan scrolls. Maybe they copied some things down. But you can understand as Paul and Barnabas left, the people with the scriptures are the Jews. They come in. We have the scriptures. We can teach you, and what? And they're going to teach them law and take away their freedom in Christ and cause them to be in slavery to something other than Christ. So
2: they wanted them to suffer just like
0: they were. Yeah, yeah, dragging them in. What uh, What lessons can a local church today learn from all this? And this is this lesson's taking a lot longer than I thought it would. That's good. <laughs> what, uh, what lessons can we learn today from this whole ordeal with the Galatians
2: spend at least 50 years before your church graduates <laughs> <laughs> no that's not it No, oh, not too
4: quickly <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: not too quickly now you know what's interesting about that Paul told Timothy like I said 1 Timothy 5.22 don't appoint a man too quickly but what do he say to Titus for this reason I left you on Crete, that you would appoint elders. Get it done. He tells Titus, get it done. He tells Timothy, slow down. So we don't know what that process looked like for them. We don't know what not too quickly means. Does that mean one year? Does that mean ten years? Does that mean, we don't know. So we got to figure that out. Melissa. But it is interesting that
1: they, he left Titus behind so Titus could do more training. For appointing elders, mm-hmm. theoretically. Whereas with these churches he didn't leave someone behind. They were just gone. He yeah, appointed the others and then he left. Yeah, they felt well they felt
0: confident apparently that these were real deal disciples. Mm-hmm. And that's why Paul says in uh, this was in Galatians oh man, I oh yeah, I, I have it written down here. Galatians four, twelve to twenty. Um I love this phrase by Paul. It just shows, obviously he was inspired when he was writing Scripture, inspired by God. But that didn't take away his humanity. He, there's, there's a real element of a human struggle here. Uh, Galatians 4, starting at verse 12, Paul writes, "Brothers," And he calls them brothers still. That's important to notice. He doesn't write them off and say, you guys are all going to hell, I was wrong. He still calls them brothers. I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Verse 15. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testified to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, the Judaizers, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And I listen to this verse. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. He thought, obviously, that they were doing well. Real deal disciples who loved Jesus who were going to live the Christian life. And then it all fell
2: apart. Do you think that he had that perspective because how fast his conversion
0: was? It could be, but even then, he spent 10 years in Tarsus.
2: Right, but he went from Persecuting yeah and he was an
0: Old Testament master right.
2: so he had
0: that, that background. yeah yeah could have just been as a church planter he was cutting his teeth on on because we've got to realize too he was called to the Gentiles and this is his first time planting churches among Gentiles just because he was a an apostle that doesn't mean he didn't make mistakes he wasn't Jesus okay so he was cutting his teeth on learning all this and he was inspired by God when he spoke under the authority of God. He was able to perform signs and wonders, but he wasn't sinless, and he wasn't perfect. And I think we're seeing here he's just learning.
3: So is this part of his first missionary journey? Yes. That, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That all kind of makes sense. Like you said, in that learning process, and then as you see it later, where things that he did different as we read about the other churches that he had planted and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be so amazing, so interesting to be able to sit and talk with him yeah. today. and, and ask this
2: Did you mess
0: up in Galatia?
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do differently if you could do it again?
2: Uh,
0: it'd be interesting to know now. It'd be helpful, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: we can ask him when we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to finish this conversation. Well, let's read um, 24 to 28, Acts 14, 24 to 28. And then I want to just chat about a few things as we wrap up. So, would someone take those five verses for us? Acts 14 24 to the end. Got it? Okay, go ahead.
3: Yes. You. All right, <laughs> 24 to the end. All right, after going <clears throat> through Pis- Pisidia, mm-hmm. they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. Italia? Yep. Uh, From Talia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples.
0: All right, so they're headed back to Antioch. That's where they were sent off on this journey in the first place. And as they're heading back and they're stopping in these strange-sounding cities, <laughs> what were they doing, does it say? Verse 25, what, what were they doing? the Yeah, they were preaching. As they're going through the cities, it's not like, okay, it's time to go home, we've done our duty, and then they're just going to fly through these cities without stopping to preach the gospel. Hey, there are cities on the way back, we've got to stop there too and mm-hmm. preach the
2: gospel. They had to pay for their meals, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, they're preaching the gospel. And what did verse 28 say about how much time they spent? Oh, when they got back to Antioch, they spent a long time. That didn't happen in Galatia. It <laughs> didn't say they spent a long time in Galatia. It said they, um, they were there, and then they left. And notice in verse, was it verse 27, look how God-centered... Their speeches. What are some things that show how God-centered it is?
2: And report all things that God had done. Good. And <coughs> how he had opened the door of faith.
0: Yes. Who's doing the work? God. Yep. Do we talk about it that way? That's something to think about in your personal speech. Uh, think about how you talk about uh, the ups and downs of life. Is it God doing it? Or is it just it just happened? Um, I'm trying to talk and right at the same time, I'm not going as fast. The second point I want to make in all this, so everything happened fast in Galatia. Point number two is joyfully experience the ups and downs. Of the Christian life. So, Christian can be abbreviated with an X at the beginning because the Greek word for Christ is our letter X. That's what that is because I didn't want to write it all out. But I could have written it all out because the time it took me to explain it kind of <laughs> canceled out the time I saved. So, um, yeah, it says that God was the one who had done things among them and God was the one who opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, knowing what we now know about what happened to the Galatians, knowing that they so quickly turned away. This is kind of painful to think about, isn't it? They came back and they were celebrating with all these people. There was all this conversion, all these disciples were made, it's going off, it's going so well in Galatia. Woohoo! <laughs> And we know, well, just give it a couple years. How do we process that as Christians? And how, what do we learn from that? Because surely you've known people that you've celebrated some spiritual victories and you've seen some positive things happen spiritually and then give it a couple years. How do we process that? Christians?
2: Well, he processed as and they went out from us to show they were never of us.
0: Sometimes, Paul still called the Galatians brothers.
2: Right. Well, we're still humans, and we still sin. I mean,
1: the Christian life, I think, if you looked at pretty much anyone's, can be an up-and-down process. Not everyone... Um, get saved and live for Christ the rest of their life with no mm-hmm. mistake. Well yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean it happens. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
1: And well. a lot of people come back, you know. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah Melissa. It. make a goofball.
1: we're taught all
2: throughout Scripture, like to remember, to go back to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Patience and, and faithfulness
0: are um, the thing to <clears throat> keep us going. That's a powerful combination, patience and faithfulness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ellie,
1: well, I was just thinking too because they're giving um, God all the glory and the honor for this. But as human beings, we go, well, we work so hard mm. on these people, and now they've slipped away, and we're thinking more highly of ourselves, yes. and it's not us.
0: Or oh, we're getting upset. We wasted our time. Our
1: time. Yeah. And so I'm thinking in that sense.
0: Mm. So keeping things God-centered actually helps us stay balanced over time. As people might fall away, we recognize it's all God's doing. He's the one who gives faith. It says right here, he's the one who opens a door to faith. And he's the one who's in control of these things. And so if we keep our worldview God-centered, that'll help us. That'll anchor our souls, won't it? Dean?
2: And faith is listed also as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And as you learn about that, it's in a sense that some people have it a lot more than other people do. And there is a weak faith in a brother or sister. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Good. Lots of good feedback. Yeah, I want to give you just three things. Um, I think you guys may have hit all these different points, but um, one thing I want to encourage you in is simultaneously do these things. Celebrate spiritual victory and grieve over waywardness. You can do both. You can celebrate any kind of Positive spiritual traction that there is while also grieving over waywardness because what what tends to happen is if you go through an experience like Paul did with the Galatians where you were intimately involved in someone's life and then that person does something crazy, turns away you can get so jaded that from that point on you're never going to celebrate someone's salvation again you're always going to look at it and say yeah, I don't believe it Or, yeah, I'll I'll give it five years and see if it's still real. That's not our application from this. We have to maintain, simultaneously, celebrate positive spiritual things that God does. And at the same time, grieve over waywardness. You do both. And so you don't want to get so jaded that you don't celebrate. And you don't want to get so naive that you're never skeptical. Or you're never grieving over that. you think, well, they prayed the prayer, so they're fine. Okay. So that's that's yeah. the other ditch, all right. So we, we gotta
3: simultaneously do both. Just again in the learning process. Like you said, they, they didn't have anybody to go to mentors themselves. I mean, obviously they learn when they get from God, the Holy Spirit, whatever. But still, uh, as they learn that process of, and come back, and we see this, and so we've, we've got to have somebody there. We're going off with planting yeah. churches and we've got to leave somebody there to, yeah. to give our the thumb on the people. Yeah,
0: because even though it is obviously God doing the work, mm-hmm. we have a stewardship aspect.
3: Yeah.
0: And a, a good stewardship from that is to learn about how would God have us, how would God use us mm. um, in a different way to help people. Uh, a second thing that I want to encourage you with, contend with those who turn away in a brotherly, sisterly, loving way. So as, as we see in uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, he didn't give up on the fight. He was willing to go back through and re-explain things. He was willing to push them, challenge them, and to say things that would wake them up a little bit. He didn't just say, it's not my place, or I mm-hmm. give up on that those people. He didn't say any of that stuff. He still contended for their souls. And then third. Speak honestly with people. Paul's language in his letter to the Galatians, like I said, you just, you see so much of Paul's personality, his human struggle, humanly struggle in that letter. I cared for you all so much and you cared for me. You would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He was just speaking to their hearts from his heart. And we need to do that too in the midst of these ups and downs of the Christian life. And we can joyfully experience those if we have a, a biblical balanced worldview on this, okay? Final thoughts or questions? Hmm. Lots to learn from the second half of Acts 14. I like teaching that one. Okay. Well, Andy, you want to close with some prayer? So, God, thank you for um, this time.